Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today on the show, episode 131, and we got another doozy for you. Ryan Ellis is on with us to discuss not only his career, but some exciting stuff in the works for this weekend at Martinsville, but as I usually do with my interviews, there's a lot of evergreen content. So not a lot of it is topical only to this weekend. We dive into his career, how he kind of works a nine to five or an eight to five, eight to six job on the side, but not really on the side because that's his main job while he's pursuing this whole career and this whole wild thing we like to call racing. Plus Ryan's from the DMV. So we talk a little DMV stuff. Uh, we gave him some caps trivia. Robin made an appearance or two. so. That was fun to get into that with him, and I'm going to see him this weekend, along with a familiar face for any Washington Capitals fans out there, so stay tuned and you'll see what's going on with that. Plus, obviously, we got Kyle Larson's ninth win to talk about from Kansas, the penultimate race at Martinsville Speedway to preview, but before we do any of that, Papa is going to pay homage to the mayor in episode 131. Here's this week's Wayback segment. Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 131. After several long ones the last few weeks, I hope our host will be happy with both the subject and length of today's recap. Jeff Burton piloted the 31 car for 324 races, almost twice as much as anyone else, and holds four of the number's eight total wins. He won 21 races in all, during a 695-race career spanning 22 years. While Burton finished his career as part of Richard Childress Racing, his most productive years came with Jack Roush. If you think of Jack Roush Racing, chances are the names that come to mind are Mark Martin and Jeff Burton. While Burton's racing accomplishments are considerable, I think he's better known as being the garage's spokesperson. He earned the nickname of the mayor for being the voice of the drivers, especially in terms of safety issues. Both before, but especially in the wake of Dale Earnhardt's death, no voice was more vocal or frequent than Burton's in advancing implementation of things like safer walls, Hans devices, and other car and track safety measures. Ironic, then, that during his rookie year, Burton was DQ'd from a race when his team drilled holes in his roll cage, a blatant safety violation. Burton's older brother, Ward, also coincidentally drove the 31 car during his career, and both of their kids, Harrison and Jeb, look to be part of the next crop of NASCAR young guns. Jeff Burton was a 2021 nominee for induction into NASCAR's Hall of Fame, He'd be a worthy addition to the hall, I think. How about you, Doof? Eh, I, 
I don't know. I, first of all, thank you, Dad, as always. Great homage. And yes, the, the, the length of this week's was pristine, so keep that up for the rest of the year in the offseason. I don't know. Uh, the, the Hall of Fame is a ticky-tack thing for me, and I have some strong thoughts on it. It's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Good. It's not the Hall of Great. It's the Hall of Fame, right? I think if you're a cup champion, you probably have a ticket punched to get in there. Mark Martin, Denny Hamlin, those are some exceptions because they've had exceptional careers. Dale Jr., obviously, he has had an impact that far outweighs results on the racetrack. I guess you could argue that the mayor, Jeff Burton, has had impacts on the racetrack and off of it in terms of safety and how he's advocated for that that could maybe make him Hall of Fame worthy, but I don't know. I think we may have to see a few more years of him in the broadcast booth to see if he's able to kind of make himself a steady name there. And if he's one of those beloved figures, then maybe I'll soften up a little bit. But right now, if you had to ask me, I, I do not think that Jeff Burton belongs in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And that's no slight to Jeff. It's just, it's the Hall of Fame, right? It's not the Hall of Very Good, and it's not the Hall of Worthy. It's the Hall of Fame. All right. Let's start off this episode as we always do. Were they good? Old fashioned. <laughs> Kansas recap from Kansas Speedway. It was windy. It was wild. It was wonderful. Emphasis on the windy because we saw hella playoff drivers and non playoff drivers get slid up the racetrack into the wall, had their days ruined or hindered a little bit. But the guy up front who did not care and had no worries about any of that was Kyle frickin' Larson. They do it once again, win number nine, their third win in a row for the second time this season. Get this, he's the first driver since Dale Earnhardt Sr. in the 80s, I believe, to win three races in a row, two separate times in the same season. He also now has the record for most laps led in a 36-race season, surpassing Hendrick Motorsports' Jeff Gordon, who did it in 2001, and with seven road courses on the schedule, that means that there's less laps than usual and less laps than there has been historically to accomplish that feat. What the man is doing right now is just off the charts. It's otherworldly. And again, for the ninth time this season, Kyle Larson, Hendrick Motorsports, Cliff Daniels, Tyler Mon, everybody, they are winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's uh, it's cool. We were on a you know stretch like this during the summer, um, I think with, with four wins there uh, with the All-Star ones. So... Um, just really cool to be on another streak like this. Um, I feel like we've had to work a lot harder to be on this streak than, than the other ones. So um, just says a lot about the perseverance in our team, you know, at the Roval. And then today, uh, you know, Texas went as, as great as it could have. Um, but, you know, these, these other two wins have been hard work. So, yeah, just proud of my team. And, and you know, wasn't expecting to be sitting up, sitting up here, but um, just very happy and, and um you know, the significance of the day, too, makes it feel even even more special. I mentioned Tyler Mon. He is the spotter for the five car this year. First season spotting for Hendrick Motorsports. We talked to him on Off the Record this week. So by the time this is out, that should probably be out. Check out Mamba Media and check out your regular YouTube on tobychristie.com to see that conversation with Tyler. But again, man, the five team, they just don't stop. We know that they're locked into Phoenix. We'll see what they can do this weekend at Martinsville. But it's all about what you can do in Phoenix. And that kind of brings me to my next point, which I'm not going to get too much into. I'll let you read my thoughts on NASCAR Mailbox on FrontStretch.com. But even if Kyle Larson does not win the championship this year, if he does come up short and he does not leave Phoenix with the hardware, 
Does that mean his season was unsuccessful? Spoiler alert. Hell no. <laughs> no, it does not. He won nine freaking times already with two races to go. He could get to the double digit club. So, of course, it has been a success. Read my thoughts on frontstretch.com for more of that, but just put that in the ether out there. It's possible that he won't win the championship. He's got a 25% chance of winning it, and he's got a 75% chance of losing it, statistically, right? But I'm just going to put it out there. Regardless of what happens, this has been one of the all-time great seasons from Kyle Larson, Cliff Daniels, and the five team. It's been one of the great seasons that we didn't really see coming from the youngster, Ty Gibbs. Not only does he win the Xfinity Series race, he also wins the Arkham Menard Series championship. And we saw that one coming, right? All he had to do was just start the race, and he would clinch the title over Corey Heim. But let's go in chronological order. His fourth Xfinity win this season in a limited schedule. You guys know Dash from The Incredibles, you know, the kid who's really fast. Well, that's kind of Ty's nickname, Dash. Uh, he gave it to himself because he kind of looks like him, and he also likes to go fast. But regardless, Dash back at it again for the fourth time this season. Ty Gibbs is an Xfinity Series race winner. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's a true pleasure, you know, like I said before, you know, last time we were doubleheader, I won the Xfinity race, so, you know, to have four, you know, my rookie year, I would never have thought of this at all, and uh, it's just, you know, it's mind-blowing, you know, I'm, I'm super, you know, super thankful and super, you know, super blessed, and uh, it's just, it's, it's a true pleasure. And about an hour and a half or so later, he fired up the engine, took the green flag from the pole, and he clinched the Arkham Menard Series championship. After the race, he finished second to the winner that we'll talk about and talk to in a second. But he reflected on that championship as well, one that never really was in doubt, but throughout the season that had some trials, some tribulations, some beating, some banging, good to finally lock that up. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it was a wonderful day. You know, I, I mean, I wish I, we could have won the race, but, you know, that, that's a part of it. And, you know, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose these things at the end of them. But, um, you know, more importantly, we were, you know, big picture racing for the championship. That was more than any of them. And, uh, you know, we came home with it. No truck series in action this past weekend at Kansas. They're back at it at Martinsville. But in the ARCA race, former guest on Victory Lane, one of the only drivers in NASCAR to have a hint of Judaism in his or her body, Nicky Bobby. Nick Sanchez, drive for diversity, rev racing. He wins the ARCA Menard Series finale for 2021 at Kansas Speedway for Rev Racing. And I believe this is also Rev Racing's first ever Arca Menard Series national victory. They won before on the Arca Menard Series East, formerly the K&N Pro Series East with Chase Cabry and Ruben Garcia Jr. But I believe this is their first quote-unquote national win on national television on a big stage. So that is a big, big deal. And congratulations to Nikki Bobby. You're going to have some good Hanukkah dinners this winter with your grandma, Nikki. I guess most of the time people win, you know, they're kind of expecting it. You know, uh, I'm not saying we, we didn't deserve it, but, you know, I was running second, third all night. Um, you know, I had, I really had no shot at the 18, but, you know, that last restart, uh, I, I honestly don't know how we did it, but if we did it, um, and it just feels so good to get it. Before we throw it over to my chat with Ryan Ellis for this week, as always, we got to give a shout out to Rhino Classifieds. You guys know all about Rhino. It was created by the founder of Racing Junk because he wanted to create a more streamlined buying and selling app that allowed users to see just what they wanted rather than all those ads and the crap that gets in the way. So head on over to rhino.co, R-Y-N-O.co. 
You can sign up for a free account. And you can find whatever it is that you're looking for or post whatever you want. Rhino.co, classified for racers, built by racers. Interview time. Ryan Ellis is a racer extraordinaire. He is a Washington Capitals fanatic. He is a scratch hockey player, a George Mason Patriot, a DMVer himself, and also a corporate America sellout. Just kidding. <laughs> it was great to chat with Ryan. Uh, he has been around the NASCAR world and on the scene for, I feel like a decade or more now, but we got into how he started in the sport. He ran for Obica Racing in the past, so of course we got into some Obica Racing stories. And a uh, little surprise to know that Ryan told me Victor knows who I am, which I don't know if is a good or a bad thing, but I guess time will tell on that. Some fun stories from those days, some fun stories about him uh, growing up in racing and how he got into it, why he decided to get into it. And also, he's Asian, right? There's not a lot of NASCAR drivers that are from Asian descent. Kyle Larson is the one that comes to mind. We got Akinori Ogata, who's out there. Hideo Fukuyama back in the day. I remember him. He was one of my dad's favorite guys to talk about with me when I was growing up. Ryan, he was very funny. He, his words, not mine. He said he's like the worst Asian person ever, right? He doesn't even like sushi. He can't speak any Japanese, like nothing. Uh, so it was really funny to listen to him speak about that. And of course, as I mentioned off the top of the show, we got into some Capitals trivia. We brought in Robin to compete against Ryan because Robin is the biggest Caps fan I know. And Ryan is probably 1B behind Robin. Actually, Robin's mom's probably 1B. So Ryan, you can go down to 2 or 1C. And again, some really cool initiatives that Ryan is doing with some of his different sponsors and some of his different teams for this upcoming weekend at Martinsville Speedway in terms of raising awareness for breast cancer and raising money for great causes as well. So stay tuned to hear about that. And if you haven't already, head over to his Twitter page to see how you can potentially still get involved. It may be too late, but regardless, I'm sure that there's a way for you guys to help out and hop on. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the racer extraordinaire, GMU Patriot, and DMVer himself, all-around cool cat, Ryan Ellis. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week a fellow DMVer, a racer extraordinaire, Washington Capitals fanatic, George Mason Patriot, and he's already got a drink in his hand because hell, it's five o'clock somewhere. Ryan Ellis, how are we doing, buddy? Oh, not too bad. What about you? I'm good. I'm just hanging out. I was talking to you before we started rolling about your background. You got a lot mm -hmm. of helmets, some racing helmets, some hockey helmets, and I was assuming that your work colleagues, when they see it, they understand that you're a part-time race car driver. This is a big thing in your life, but you said that they have no clue. So you just tell them you race motorcycles. <laughs> I just tell them I own a motorcycle. Like generally <laughs> it's, I hope that they don't ask because like genuinely, I don't want to distract them from like our actual work call. Yeah. So yeah. I'm into buying a green screen to cover this up. But then I'm like, that's almost weirder. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, what are you hiding? I know. Right. <laughs> like, uh, I thought about getting my company and this sounds like I'm trying to look for something like to get uh, like a sponsored helmet right here, but oh. we'll go with the actual sponsors here and the caps helmets right here. It's obviously just out of frame. I love it. I love it. Well, we'll talk about the caps. Don't you worry. We got a fun game that we're going to play a little bit later on. I was also mentioning to you that I know you're very busy because not only do you have two dogs that you're tending to, but you have a newborn. So which one requires more effort? Because I feel like dogs are high maintenance. <laughs> so... I was actually talking to Matt DiBenedetto like about this yesterday. Um, 
up until I think it changed overnight, but I was like, I don't think dogs are that much less work. Granted, I'm very lucky because my wife is on leave right now. Um, and she's like dealing with most of the baby stuff. Yeah. But it really hasn't been a burden to me, but I think she's like within six inches of that baby around the whole day. Yeah. So, um, it's a little bit different for her, but, um, I'm trying to be a good dad. I, I'm not the most patient person in the world. So when she just cries uncontrollably for hours, like, I, I just want to fix it. And when you can't, there's like, it just makes me go crazy. Yeah. It's a learning experience though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like it's, I like, I know everybody talks about it and like, it's just a completely different type of love and like feeling that you get. And But now you um, get it. Yeah. Now I get it. It's just, I'm tired all the time now. <laughs> yeah. No sleep for you. How, how has the adjustment been besides the fact that you don't get any sleep? Uh, it's not bad. Um, I've learned to like prioritize my time a little bit better. You know, oh, wow. uh, it's, I don't like randomly go places. Like when I go to hockey and like play hockey, I just go come right back. I, I yeah. go to the gym in the morning while the baby and my wife are sleeping and I don't go like at the end of the day. Um, so I don't, I never really did anything. I was a really boring person to begin with. So now I just stay at home and play video games with the baby sitting for me or something. Yeah. His name's Hayden, right? Uh, yeah. Her name, her name. Oh, sorry. Do oh, you get good. that a lot or am I the first person that's done that? Um, it's a little bit of both. Like my wife wanted to pick a name that was kind of like gender neutral. And then yeah. we went with a really girly middle name. So it's Hayden May. Uh -huh. So it's uh sounds like a country singer, which I like my wife hates. Hey, if she wants to be a country singer, I'm sure that you as parents wouldn't say no. That could bring in some good money. As long as it doesn't want to be a race Yeah. As long as it's not a race car driver, we're yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Hayden's very cute. I've seen pictures of her on social media. I, I don't even want to. I called her a boy because I've seen the pictures and I'm like, oh my God, she's so cute. You can't tell when they're a baby. They're bald either way. Yeah, I know. But you were, <laughs> you were saying like, we're like, we brought her into the world and I should, I did my research, but I was just fat, infatuated with the cute baby and I didn't realize, hey. oh. It's Hayden, a girl. That was like my biggest concern though, was like, what if I have an ugly baby and nobody <laughs> tells me that I have an ugly baby and I'm just biased? I feel like you uh, have good friends that would actually shoot you straight. No, I don't. And like that, me and not to keep throwing Matt's name around, but like that was what we always talked about. Yeah. Um, like, well, I know if I have an ugly baby. I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> like, you're not going to be like, man, that baby is ugly. <laughs> I wouldn't, but I will tell you that she's not. Yeah, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, that's that's a baby. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think she's really cute. So she I'm is. biased. <laughs> yes, she is. All right, let's talk a little bit of racing here. I know we're going to go all over the map because you're very eclectic. That's why I wanted to have you on, sipping your drink as we do, five o'clock somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you are a third generation racer, Ryan. Uh, you paid homage to your grandpa, Vic, at Darlington this season. That was so cool. His helmet's right back there. That's so cool. Um, how did your grandpa and your dad? both get involved in racing considering you're a third generation racer it clearly was in your blood and it obviously was always going to be something that you were going to do in some capacity but how did they get involved in the first place so i don't really know the true or the full story of like how my grandfather got into racing um he lost his life in a racing accident in 1958 the same year my dad was born um so the fact that my dad got into racing is crazy obviously knowing that my grandma let him um, just pursue it as a hobby, as a passion, um, no matter what. Um, but I got into it at the age of four, my dad raced through SCCA and a few other things. 
um, never really did any oval racing, just kind of stuck to the road racing stuff. And, uh, I loved it from like the moment I was born. I grew up around a racetrack. I'm not putting my daughter anywhere near a racetrack anytime soon. Um, that's like my biggest fear. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it's been a family thing and I, you know, everybody has their why and that's always been my why. It was like, I want to, my grandpa never got the chance to pursue his dream. He built, um, one of the most famous race cars, the Gapco uh, midget sprint car for Mario Andretti. Um, And so I I feel like he would have had a really long history in racing. He just lost his life so early. Um, And my dad just didn't have the the money or the, um, I guess the time to really pursue it as a passion or a career himself. And then um, he just did everything he could to get me up the ladder. We got to like the grand am level. And that was like, Hey, last shot, good luck. And, uh, made the most out of that and then stumbled my way into NASCAR. Yeah. So it was never really a question what you were going to do in the sense of your dad, not necessarily made you race, but he always was pushing you and saying, Hey, grandpa did this. I did this. Why don't you try it? Yeah. It, I just grew up around racing. Like I slept with uh, toy motorcycles instead of like stuffed animals. So I'd wake up with like the handlebars on my face and stuff. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, you know, I was like every other racer kid that like walks up and like hits the hammer on the tire and thinks he's working on the car. Yeah. Um, but it's like all I ever loved. I drew pictures of race cars like all the time. Yeah, and me too. I'm still an idiot and I still want to do it like all the time. <laughs> um, I actually texted once again, Benedetto like yesterday. And I was, Matt's was probably like, listening yeah. to this just like, God, just. Yeah, it's just, just a matter about me already. I know. Um, and it was a video of Nate Diaz, the fighter talking about how if you don't hate something because you love it so much that like, you don't love it enough. And that's how I feel about racing now. Like I hate it so much because (laughs) I love it so much. And it's been like such a rewarding and frustrating part of my life at the same time. We're going to get into the highs, the lows, the trials, tribulations, all that good stuff. But first and foremost. I, I introduced you as a fellow DMVer because I know you're from Nova, but were you actually born in California? Did I read that? Yeah, I don't like claim that at all just because I, I don't remember anything about it. I remember like I grew up and I fell into a cactus when I lived out there Oof. when I was like two years old. And, and you're like, uh, bye, going to Virginia. Yeah. And uh, I used to go to the, um, the Speedway bike races, like the flat track stuff growing up. Okay, um, yeah. And... Uh, we moved out to Virginia when I was about four or four and a half years old um, and then got into racing basically like immediately. But yeah, I was like one of the few racers at the time, I feel like from that area that got into racing. And now you got Brandon Brown. There's a few others, right? Um, yeah. Brandon Brown is from Manassas slash Woodbridge, right? Um, I don't Smith really claims that he is, but he claims he's from everywhere. He's like Truex with home tracks. Smithley's uh, not from Nova. Like you're Nova. You know what I mean? Smithley's yeah. not Nova. There Brandon one, Brown's the big one for sure. One in Fairfax, uh, Matt Tift. He says he, he Fairfax. He lived, yeah, he lived in. I'm gonna Google it right now. But <laughs> I saw him in an interview and I texted him like, I didn't know you were from there. And he was I like, Oh, I, I'm gonna live a little bit. I have another monitor up here. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I thought yeah, he was from Cleveland. Tift was born in Fairfax County, Virginia. Wow, I did not know that. I assumed he was just yeah. from Cleveland. I figured too because he that's like all he talks about. Yeah, <laughs> big brown um, guy. Yeah. No. uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And Brandon Brown, I knew a little bit growing up. Um, but like guys like Mark McFarland, I know he was kind of big in the racing world for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like my local hero for a while Raced with Cliff Daniels, who now got a much more successful career than I do. That's pretty cool. Um, and like CE Falk, Joe Falk's, um, nephew yeah. and 
a bunch of other people that are all still in the industry. So let's talk about when you got started in racing at four years old, started in quarter midgets. You won some races there. I know that it is a long, long time ago. And I don't know if you remember anything about that time. So I will ask, do you remember anything about that time? And if so, what do you remember? I remember parts of it and I'm not just throwing names around again, but like, as I got older, I was racing against Sorensen, um, Al Geyer and those types of guys, mm-hmm. um, like for national championships, I finished second, I think in the national championship, like seven times or something ridiculous, <laughs> one zero of them. And it was always for guys like that. Um, but I remember like my motivation was just, I, I was a stupid little kid. I just played matchbox cars on the trailer door once we lowered it down with my friends. And then as soon as they bring the trophies out for like the big races, I'd just go and stare at them. And I was like, I want one of those. They're so cool. Um, And that was like, yeah, I was just, I was okay at hockey, but I was like, I felt like I was good at racing. And we obviously had pretty decent equipment. And I was like, this is all I want to do. I'm just an idiot little kid. And, um, I mean, those are like the best types or best times. I feel like when you're growing up and right. there's no real expectations or pressure. You just have that pressure of like, I want to bring that trophy home because yeah. I think it'd be cool. Um, so you definitely miss moments like that though. No, that's exactly why I asked because most drivers that, you know, you talk to, I talk to their most fondest memories are back when they were go-karting and there wasn't any super high stakes and there weren't any big sponsorship deals or large oh, yeah. contracts or all this kind of stuff. That was kind of like racing in its purest form, so to exactly. speak. And even though you were so young, you still remember that as being the takeaway, which I think speaks volumes. Who was it? Was it a uh, Senna that talked about go-karting and like that was like his favorite times? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's- I mean, everybody talks about it, you know? Senna's probably like one of the most prominent ones that – was known for karting and stuff. And fun fact, you probably knew this, but Lake Speed, I think Lake Speed beat Senna in the World Karting Championships. Really? I think Scott so. Speed beat me in the Red Bull Driver Championship. So, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like to me, I think, I guess the most fun times were always like, I don't know, like when you have the equipment to win. And like, I remember the times where I was like in the Volkswagen Jetta TDI cup series and grand am when I was like, Oh my God, we can like make something huge out of this. Um, and then when you get to NASCAR, it's not like it becomes less fun. It's just that your opportunities are very different as you know, a win for us is 15th or so. I mean, that sounds funny to say, but like, I don't have any trophies from recent years. I have a, (laughs) that's a Mario Kart tournament championship. I have over there on my wall. Yeah. It's just a trophy that we got with a bunch of friends. That's like the only trophy I have in the last five years. Well, we got to talk about that because if anybody knows you and listens to Not Another Racing Podcast, mm-hmm. we have heard stories from you, Matt, yep. Garrett Smithley about that Mario Kart tournament. Please, for those that are not familiar, enlighten us as to what you're talking about because it's something It's like else. actually a real trophy too. I'm not even kidding. It's I know, true. I know. Yes, I wish I could. I could do this, but I don't want to ruin the video. It's Mario Kart trophy, Homestead Miami Grand Am win. Then at the time I beat Scotty and went in a poker championship, like a fun for fun one. And then my Daytona Grand Am went all like in a row. <laughs> Mario like won his first for good reason. It is. Yeah. It's on the far left. Yeah. Um, but it was like our engagement party, actually me and my wife. Um, and we were like, we don't want to do like something like actually, you know, go to a bar or like get a, I don't know, do anything silly like that. So we invited probably 20 people over to our house pre COVID, like, um, six, seven years ago. 
and obviously just happened to be like a lot of the NASCAR guys, because that's a lot of who we know down here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we played, I don't know what it's actually called. I think it's just Don't Drink and Drive. Um, and <laughs> that it's, sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, we did a bracket style, like double elimination um, teams with themes. And I think me and my wife are Miss Japan or um, Team Japan. Just So I had like a big red dot on my shirt. Uh, Matt was obviously Team Italy. Smithley was England, I think. And you had to like drink something similar to that. But you do a shot before every race times however many races. So if you get eliminated early and you have practice rounds, you do like six or eight shots. Uh-huh. But when you get to the finals, it's like 18 to 20. Yeah, and like people are just sleeping halfway through the race. Was the final at Rainbow Road? Because that would have been a great. It was. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was that's, that's what I like, thought. It's a, like an hour long race at that yeah. point. Um, <laughs> you it, fall off every two seconds. Yeah, um, I think we, me and my wife, got eliminated in the semifinals, and like I am so competitive, I like freaked out. I'm like, "There's no way we should lose. This is our turn at all." <laughs> you also probably were drunk off sake at that point. Yeah, yeah, I was not in a good shape, <laughs> uh, but. I think, yeah, the funny takeaway out of that was Smithley's um, partner couldn't make it. So he had to drink for both. Oh, God. Which was like 35 to 40 shots. And I think he finished second. So the fact that he made it that far. What a machine. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, We've done that a few times since, like just with a smaller group. And uh, reigning champion. So we haven't done it in like three or four years because we're too old at this point. But You got to run it back. That's an off-season activity. I want to. And we had the pre-race video on uh, like social media somewhere. And then oh. obviously like we thought better of it, even though there was nothing bad or like, ah, you know, making fun of drinking and driving. Probably, yeah. You know, there's always people. But yeah. All right. Let's get back to the real racing where we do not drink and drive. That is real racing. Uh, yeah. Well, you got a real trophy. So I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I want some. Yeah. So once we do quarter midgets, right. We're, we're having some success there. We're enjoying ourselves. And then you make the move up to legends, late models, Miatas. Um, and then after you get up to those levels, can you tell me how you got selected for a discovery channel show? I had no idea this was a thing. Did you, uh, you I'll send you the clip if you haven't seen it. Um, no, I haven't. It's really funny just because to not like get into the drama of how it all happened. So like my projected, trajectory i guess was legends cars late models then hooters pro cup and then hopefully from there because that was a big deal you know into the nascar ranks right um we had a late model deal it was for like two or three years and it was supposed to step into hooters pro cup um fortunately it just kind of fell apart for lack of better word um terms just financially sponsorship just didn't work out the way we wanted it to um we only had enough money to just go and get a miata and kind of piece it together and hope that it worked out well um did that for three or four years, ran like a couple of legends races on the side. And, uh, I didn't apply for that discovery channel thing the first year. Cause it just seemed like kind of wonky, just like the SRX thing. I was like, Oh, you know, it's going to, nobody's going to watch that. <laughs> and, uh, I was wrong. Um, a lot of people watched it and I think the winner got a free grand Am ride or like yeah. 200. It was like a good amount of money towards whatever the next, it was like similar to what Roush was doing with the gong show back in the day. I didn't, see, I didn't even know. I kind of remember that. It was like I was so far removed. It was it was a TV show. I mean, I think it was before my time, but it was a TV show, and a lot of drivers were eligible for it. I think uh, maybe Carl Edwards was a part of it. David Reagan, uh, Eric Darnell, I think may have won it, and the winner ended up getting like a truck ride. I think, but it was a similar concept. 
Yeah, it was it was similar to that, and it was all through Volkswagen. They were trying to, um, I guess, make their Jetta TDI car seem more sporty, um, and like introduce that whole diesel, clean diesel um, idea. So they did the first year, and I was like, okay, that got a lot of press. Let me try to do it. And I think they um, could be completely wrong here. I think they had ten thousand applicants. Wow. Um, yeah, I think I could be wrong. I, I feel like that was the right number though. Um, and they narrowed it down to like 60 and they invited us all out to Sonoma and did like fitness evaluations, um, actual on track stuff, like, like autocross stuff. It was most random things and they narrowed it down to 26 or whatever it was and made the cut, had to come up with the funding for that, did that for two years. Um, and that like kind of broke my confidence, which is weird because it's kind of like when you go to your local go-kart track and you get the bad cart, you just don't know if you got a good cart, bad cart. Yeah, yeah. But the second year they switched my car and I won like a qualified the pole, let it relap, or not let it relap, qualified the pole, won the race, the first two races. Then they switched my car and I like finished outside of the podium six races around. I switched it again to the last two and I podium again. I'm like, okay, all right, well, screw this. Series. It's Bill Elliott and SRX. He had the bad car. You got the bad car. Yeah, I was like, I, I put a sticker like in the door frame so I knew when I get a different car. Yeah, you did. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was great though, and that got me in the Volkswagen ladder, um, whatever you would consider that, and that propelled me into my Grand Am opportunity with APR Motorsport. So let's get into that now, Grand Am. I think as I was doing some research, I saw some clips of you driving one of those cars. I think it was. It was like a. It was a green car with a big old spoiler on the back. Was oh, that a yeah. Grand Am car or was that something else? Yeah, so I did one race in uh, with Freedom Autosport um, in the Mazda Speed 3, just as like a trial race, just to kind of dip my toe in the water. Mm -hmm. um, and then my next race was a, my first race of the full season um, at Daytona with APR. We once again qualified in the pole. I think we, we led most of the laps, and then we won that race. Then we went to – Miami won that race and in Grand Am multi-class they changed the rules every week they pulled all of our boost out Oof. and <laughs> then we just kind of went down down the slope put gave us some boost back and then we podiumed a couple of times finished third or fourth in the championship right behind Lally I think um so that was really cool um I just didn't know where my opportunities were going to go after that you know because yeah I, at that point, I was like, I want to be Grand Am Rolex Series. I want to race 24 hours. NASCAR wasn't even on my radar at all. Yeah. So then NASCAR gets on your radar, though, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because when you were at Road America, I think 2012, mm -hmm. Jimmy Means found you out and said, hey, I think you're pretty good. You want to try to qualify my car for me? And yeah. the rest is history. Yeah, I don't. I think it was like a mutual friend of mine that like in a radio show that I kind of co-hosted was like, Hey, I kind of know this guy named Jimmy means who has this nationwide or whatever. I don't know. Probably nationwide back probably then. nationwide. Yeah. Um, and he was like, if you want to start and park it, you know, we can do that. And I was like, what is start and parking? I'm like, Cause you didn't know any NASCAR stuff then you were just, no, I didn't know any car things. Yeah. I like had been out of, that world for 10 12 years in terms of like watching it because i've been racing every weekend i didn't pay any attention to it really but yeah. i was like this is awesome this that'd be cool <laughs> i don't think we made that race i don't remember i think you did uh, okay well then we did yeah just like i remembered um i think i mean you but, finished like 35th or worse but i think you made it yeah we, we made it for a couple of yeah. yeah i remember like 
the first time, first lap in it, I was like, the brakes are broken. The brakes are broken. They're like, no, that's just how these things drive. I'm like, yep. oh my That's God. a starting park right there. Yeah. Um, and it was Jimmy's stuff. He's, yeah. yeah, I love Jimmy to death. And I owe like literally, obviously my NASCAR opportunities all to him. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was an oval car that we, yeah. we definitely made a couple laps in. So you made that race, you started 35th, you finished 39th, you completed yeah. four laps because of ignition, according to racing reference. Yeah. Uh, and then later that year for Jimmy means you DNQ'd at Watkins Glen at, and at Montreal. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. And uh, Benedetto put me out of Montreal. I, I was looking Did at he? that like five years later. I'm like, I wonder who like knocked me out. I'm like, you, on, it man, was, he? yeah, it was Damn. before I ever knew him, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think at Montreal, we were going to run the whole race. Montreal or at Watkins Glen, I don't think we were. But that's kind of when I realized that it's not easy, obviously. Yeah. I don't know why Road America kind of came off in a different way. But I think Watkins Glen's a little bit easier for the Oval guys. But mm -hmm. um, then I was addicted. I was like, I got to just put all of my efforts into NASCAR. Yeah. And uh, Chips on the table. Exactly. I'm like, I'm stupid. I'm going to try to do everything I can. And network and find some sponsorship you're not alone yeah i know i just realized that companies like when they hear nascar you don't have to explain what it is when you're in grand am or um like the volkswagen series mm -hmm. i had to be like hey it's kind of like nascar but left and right turns it's on speed channel which doesn't point. exist anymore and like yeah. when i'm like nascar they're like oh we know that so i was like well let's go all the way into this I never thought about that because my brain is like reporting journalist stuff, but I guess you from like a marketing advertising side, it makes perfect sense because it's brand recognition, right? I mean, a company would be more apt to sponsor you as a driver if you were on a bigger platform that, you know, non super motorsports fans and people that aren't hardcore NASCAR fans or motorsports fans know about whether you go to them and say, Hey, you want to sponsor me in a Miata? They're like, what, what's a Miata? Other than you want to sponsor me in the Xfinity series, it's on Fox Sports 1 this weekend. I mean, that's like a no-brainer. So that makes total sense. Well, yeah, and when your marketing pitch is 50% or more explaining what you're doing, yeah, it's you not a problem. Yeah, but if you just go NASCAR, then they're going to answer the email. Mm -hmm. Well, probably not still, but they're going to at least know what you're talking about when they don't right. respond to the email. Right. Um, so that just made it a lot easier. And I had a lot more traction. All right, this may be my favorite part of the interview. <laughs> Give me your Victor Obica stories because I have heard so many from Josh Balicki from not getting paid to driving across the country to not being told that you can get in the car to taking parts off your car, not having a good window net for Stephen Light because he was bringing the money. I've heard stories from Sam Hunt of him having some old equipment and broken promises and cross-country road trips and all this different stuff. You drove for Victor Obica. You turned down a what was then an offer, which never came to fruition, of a full-time cup ride at Obica Racing. You have to have some good stories. Good, bad, ugly. Give it to me. I want it all. So. Where to begin? Up front, <laughs> like, I really appreciate what Victor was trying to do. I and really a lot do. of people say that exact same thing. Let me make that clear, too. Yeah, and what he... I think he was just so new to the sport that like he didn't realize that a lot of things he had tried like had been done before in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll, I'll give you the positive side. Then I'll give you like the middle ground. I won't go like probably wiki. Please. Um, so 
for people that don't know, I got my opportunity with Obica because of a fan vote. Um, and then, like, we got like 60, 70% of the vote. Granted, we were fighting against some people that weren't as well known at the time or didn't push it as hard as I did. Who were you fighting against? I don't remember. Um, I think Johanna Long was one of them. It was two or three female drivers. Um, and I, Johanna was probably more well known than me. I just don't think she pushed it yeah. as much as I did. Um, but I got the opportunity at Dover and I was like, this is a really good car. Because at that time, it was a really good car. It was running in the top 20. Um, and it was the biggest opportunity I had at that point. Was this in the, this is an Xfinity, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember what year that'd be like 15, maybe. Um, I'll look it so up. Keep going. Yeah. I'm like, this is a huge opportunity. And I knew that it didn't require funding. And for somebody like me and Josh and a lot of those guys, he gave us opportunities that I would never would have had. Like at that point, I might have had, I'm just throwing numbers out there, 40 starts and 25, 30 of them were starting parks. Yeah. But with them, I got to run 10, 15 full races. And that doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot for somebody like me. That's probably yeah. half or a third or a quarter of my overall starts. Especially um, when they're not starting parks. Yeah. I mean, did we have everything we needed to, to be successful? No. But do most small teams know? Um, I will say like on a positive note, once again, he is one of, I'll say this in a different way. He did everything he ever promised of me because we understood I'm not getting paid. I never once said, how much are you paying? So it was just, I'm showing up, I'm driving. You're giving me an opportunity. I'm excited about that. Um, so like, I feel very, very, very grateful for what he did for my career because yeah. he gave me opportunities. I literally... I felt like I deserved, but monetarily I didn't deserve. Yeah. Um, he took a I chance. That, yeah. I think that's why he always came back to me is because he felt like I, I appreciated it mm -hmm. and I appreciated it for what it was. Um, by the way, that was in 2015. So you're right. Oh, look at that. I don't have much of a memory, but remember that. Um, I remember, so a funny one, Texas, it was the same weekend. I think I was running cup. So it might've been 16. And that's when I could kind of tell that things were kind of going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Um, and this might not have been Victor because he was going back and forth country to country. Um, so he might not have been as hands-on as he'd like to be, but I remember, and a couple of guys like BJ McLeod saw it firsthand, but I'd come in for however long that race is there, 300 miles for an Xfinity race. We had two sets of tires, I think, and they were both scuffs. We kept courting tires and all they would do is switch them. I'd come in for a stop and then just be like, oh, okay, do that. And I, like, they would take this set off, put that set on, and then I'd pit, and they just put the set that I just took off back on. Yeah. And I'm like, this set feels awful. Why does this feel awful? And I'm like, after the race, they're like, they just kept putting the same set back on. I'm like, what the? Oh, my God. So. It's very um, unsafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. But uh, like I said, like, at the end of the day, and I hope he doesn't, like, you know, take that in a bad way, like, I really do appreciate everything he did. And when he offered me that cup thing, um, cause that was a full season cup deal. I was, it was the hardest decision of my life. And that's, I don't think I'm saying that like lightly, like it truly was. Cause at that point it was, I'd lost science logic, my biggest sponsor. Oh, look at that diecast right there. Um, just because the guy who had been working with me on those deals had left the company. Um, so I was like, I need to find a stable job. And it's either I do PR for go fast or I drive full-time cup. Right. Like that seems like a very easy idea on paper. Okay. Yeah. This is my dream. This is all I've ever worked for. 
this is doing PR for somebody that was my teammate last year. Um, that is living your dream. Yeah. And like, I'm going to stand there and hold Sharpies for him and hand him his helmet every week and like, just break my freaking heart for four years. So naturally um, that's what you chose. Yeah. And I like, literally it was like two or three, maybe not two or three months. It felt like just the longest period of time. I was just like angry all the time. And I was like frustrated because I was like, I don't think this Obika thing's going to work out. And it didn't in my defense. And I, I didn't handle it correctly because I do owe Obika and Victor um, more than I gave him, but I just kind of like went dark on him because I was like talking to Stephen Light, who I think drove the car or was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, I can't do this. I, I don't think it's going to last. And then I Barry Hill took it and it didn't work out. Um, so I feel like I made the right decision, but you were right. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, Victor was awesome to me. So we did have some other weird things happen. I, that's the only time I've like, that's the most frustrating. I think I bust the racetrack. I, uh, we had something go wrong mechanically and I made me run the whole race and I just left the car in the back straightaway and just walked back to my rental car and just got in my car and left. I was like, I can't deal with this right now. Um, but <laughs> like, like I said, I, I respect him so much for what he tried to do. And, um, he, he changed my career for sure. That, that's the thing too. And I don't want listeners to get it twisted either because like whenever I interview somebody that has driven for Obica, I always ask like the good, the bad, the ugly stories, but Balicki said the same thing. Like, he owes a lot of his career to Victor Obica for, for all the times that he was lied to, for all the times that he did not get paid, for all the times that he was taken advantage of. He still did put him in the car, and he still yeah. did get his name out there. Same thing with Sam Hunt in terms of getting into team ownership and helping him out there. Like, There has not been some, some great things that have been associated with Obica Racing and that name, but at the same time, it's people like you, people like Josh, that have gotten their first opportunities – or their first legit opportunities in your case because of him. So for all all the joking and all like the meme culture that we have around Obika Racing, myself included, um, he does deserve his due for giving guys like you and Josh. I a know shot. he knows you too. He asked me about you a couple of times too. Victor did? Yeah. Really? <laughs> You're on his radar. Yeah. You're on a hit list. Well, that's way. probably because when I talked to Sam, which was like over a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. I think he messaged me somehow and, and basically was like uh, not happy that we brought him up or how he was talked about. And I basically was like, Hey man, I, I was just asking questions. Like, but if Victor, if you're listening to this, first of all, hello, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Second of all, I agree with what Ryan said, like wholeheartedly, no, no bullshit. Like Victor legitimately gave a lot of people, a lot of shots and he should be appreciated for that and applauded for that. Because in a day and age right now, as you know, Ryan, where it is so damn tough to get any ride because you need to bring money. Victor helped people get rides that did not bring money. And that is very rare today. I don't know any other team owner right now, top of my head, off the top of my head, that are giving drivers opportunities without funding. And he was. Yeah. So that means a lot to me. I mean, it really does. And I'm not just trying to be like that, that good no, guy. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool what he was able to do for us. With all I that like I said, we had an agreement. I wasn't getting paid. So yeah. like, okay, cool. Like he fulfilled everything he ever said he was going to do for me. Yeah. Which yeah. can't be said for a lot of team owners. Yeah. With all yeah. that being said, with all that being said, are there any like really horror stories that you experienced during that time? Because Balicki was telling me some wild stories. Honestly, like some of my crazier stories were outside of like Obica. Um, Tell them. Like, I'm trying to think of ones that I you drove. You drove for hey. a lot of people like Curtis Key. You drove for him for a yeah. while. Joe Falk. A bike, obviously. You're trying, to stir them up. You're trying to stir up the memories. I can't remember off the top of my head some of the good ones. Um, 
remember we left a crew guy in Phoenix once because he was too drunk to get on the plane because he couldn't find the airport. He got out of the car at a stoplight and thought we were at the airport. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> and we found him like three days later and he'd gotten like hit by a car or something. Um, Jeez. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Um, that escalated I mean, quickly. Part of the stuff was like the as not like as not fun as it was from a racing perspective those were some of the funniest stories like i have for my entire life yeah like me and matt or it was actually just always me and matt just like basically racing the crap out of each other for 39 for three laps um and the stories i heard from i think it was josh wise and scott speed and you might have heard this on the podcast um back when you could flip to each other's radios Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, I don't remember who it was. It might have been, I know it was Scott Speed was involved. He flipped to the other person's radio and was like, all right, fire it up. And it was like the middle of the anthem. And you can't hear it because you were in the cars, like with your helmets on yeah. back then. So in the middle of the anthem, like Scott Speed, I'm pretty sure it was him, was just like, rawr, 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 oh and like fired the car up. <laughs> and all the NASCAR officials are like running over there, screaming at him. Um, but once Josh again, Wise did that, you think? It was one of those guys. It could be like Darnell, somebody it's like so that. So funny though. Like uh, Curtis is like one of those guys too. Like he paid me. I got paid every week from that guy. I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, if the check was coming through. It, it did suck the starting part because, um, you know, I just like it's once again just kind of seeing everybody live your dream out. But at the same time, like that was a good gig. I made decent money and yeah, didn't have to worry about every single week. You know who I didn't mention? Ron Devine, BK Racing. I don't know how I forgot that. Speaking of not getting paid. I was going to actually mention that, but once again, I only have good things to say. I don't know if I'm lucky or what, but Ron gave me, he paid me everything he said he was going to pay me. So that was good. Um, Maybe I just have a false sense, like from the outside immediate perspective, because we hear horror stories all the time, but you were in it and you got everything that you were owed. So good for him. Of my friends, I know that like most of them didn't end up with what they were supposed to end up with. But I remember like one check was slow to get to me and I'm like, oh no, this is going to happen. Like I don't have that kind of money. I know like this isn't meant to be a slight, but a lot of drivers have money to fall back on, whether it's family or whatever, um, or savings. I just didn't. I wasn't college or just out of college and i was like i sent him a picture of my bank account i was like ron i can't pay my rent next week and he just was like okay and he went and wired me money for like whatever that race was and i was like oh my god that worked okay i'm gonna do that for everybody every now. time yeah <laughs> it was like my checking my savings and everything it was like 43 dollars, and i was like i can't i can't eat and he just took care of me so i was like All right, cool and he paid me to spot so once again like i got lucky maybe because people actually know that like i don't have money so they can't put me in like a like if they put me in a box, I'm gonna have to like just go and beat on their door until they pay me. I mean, hey, if it works, <laughs> it worked for me, yeah. yeah. So like both of those guys, I mean, Ron and I had a fair deal. Like so, it's not like we're Victor where he just kept putting me in the car without funding. Like with Ron, right. it was I have a sponsor. Let's do this. And he was from the Northern Virginia area. He lived 15 minutes from me. Ironically, um, I think he thought I was gonna sue him when I was like seven years old. Cause he owns the Burger King in Ashburn near my house. Um, or at least I was told he does. And I, you know, like the railings that you like that kind of established the waiting line. Yeah. And a Burger King. Yeah. I was sitting on one and I slipped off and smashed my head. I still have a huge bump on it. I had to go to the hospital and they thought I was going to sue that Burger King over it. So I, I haven't what? I, I don't ever heard that. Yeah. But it was the, one of the ones that he owned cause he lived in my area. 
That's incredible. Glad you're yeah. okay, first of yeah, all. But I got a couple. Uh, what the hell? I yeah, I've never heard that. Have you ever told that before? No. But I mean it explains a lot. It's one of my thousand confessions, I guess. <laughs> That's crazy. Did you ever go to Burger King after or did you have PTSD? Probably had PTSD, yeah. I'm not a big fast food guy outside of Chipotle. Now cookout. Yeah, we didn't have cookout up there as you true, know. So. True. Um, let's talk about another owner that you drove for who helped you make your cup series debut back in 2015 in Phoenix, Joe Falk. Take me back there to making your cup series debut because as we've mentioned, right, you're getting up the mountaintop, you're climbing the different scaling, all these different things, but NASCAR wasn't on your radar from day one. It, it became a thing later on in your career when you were already pretty established as a race car driver. But once you got into NASCAR, you knew that getting to cup was the top of the mountain. So when you finally got there, you cranked the engine, not during the anthem, and you took the green flag on your first Cup Series race. What did that feeling feel like? A couple of funny stories from that. Um, and I know this is a very normal one, but like when I was signing my contract in my 400 square foot apartment, that was like $500 a month in Winston-Salem with my wife. I was like, this is not how I imagined me signing my Cup deal. Like, I was just like, they just like, hey, here you go. And I was like, Oh, scanned it back over. I'm like, man, that was really anticlimactic. You're like, hey, did you get it? You sure you got it? Yeah. I was like, and you, in racing, there was kind of always in this mindset of something's going to fall apart. So like until I'm at the track, the car's wrapped, has my name on it, and I'm sitting in it, I always believe it's going to fall apart. Um, First practice lap, not driving a cup car, went out, hit the, um, what do they call it, dog leg? Yeah. It blew my contacts out. Like, cause it's so violent and the, yeah. like no travel on those things. It blew both my contacts out. So imagine like this rookie goes up, like ah, brr, brr, grab a gear, go up on the track, blow both my contacts up, pull right back down, go right back into the pits. And I oh have like God. somebody grab my contacts. <laughs> and, like they probably thought I was like bluffing or like afraid, but yeah. legitimately blew both of them out. Um, that's happened like I think twice now. First the Burger um, King story. Now this, what's next? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but like I, somewhere in the race, um, I do remember it was like Gordon's last year, I believe. Um, yep. and he was fighting to make the final four. If it was mm-hmm. that format back then. And he was my hero. So I fenced it trying to get out of the way of him, like in the middle of the straightaway. Like I looked in the mirror, I see the 24 and I'm like, I am not going to be that guy that <laughs> like crashes Gordon out of his last championship because yeah. I'm killed before I leave. Um, so I legitimately like just like basically dragged the fence all the way down the backstretch. At, At least you got out the way. I did. Yeah. I was like, funny story though. Cause I mean, that was the only damage I had out of that race, but uh, yeah, that was a really cool experience. And I just, I never thought I was going to make a cup series start. You know, that was always my goal. Um, but just with like the weird path I had to get there, I just never really thought it was going to happen. Just like, I didn't think I was going to get four more, five more the next year and yeah. one more in about three or four weeks. That's right. Yeah. And now that you've been there at that point, right. You're there. Then you got a few more, but now it's been a handful of years since you've gotten a Cup Series start. Thankfully, you're getting to get doing at Kansas, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Have has that made you appreciate how hard it is to stay there? Because it's one thing to get there; it's another thing to stay there. And then, obviously, winning races—that's a whole nother can of worms. But just the racing journey itself, like you were joking, how you hate it, but you love it, and you hate that you love it. All these different things—it's kind of a confluence of events that makes you understand and appreciate, like how hard and what a struggle it is to get to that point. Yeah. Like when I was racing every week, you don't take it for granted, 
but you're able to like come out of a, a bad week or whatever and just kind of shut it out of your brain and just hop into it the next week. It's routine. Um, yeah. Now like the, the ups and the downs are, are so big. And I, four years working for GoFast, I think I ran three races and um, you really learn to appreciate it. Not that I didn't, I always felt like I was one of the most appreciative people. I don't mean that in like a cocky way, but um, I've always had to fight for everything. And like going into this year with Keen Parts and Corvette Parts, they gave me four to six races. And I'm like, I've never gone into any season with that many races guaranteed. As funny as that sounds, it's always been like, hey, Ryan, this guy won't fit in the seat. Can you drive this week? And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say I appreciate it anymore, but I just, I do my best to go into it with a very like, this could be my last race mindset. It used to only happen at Homestead or whatever the last race was where I'd basically like get on the plane and be like, I'm never racing again. Cause all it takes is five, 10 more guys with funding. And then my career is over. Cause you think about it, I, I'm teetering on that, like five, 10 guy um, having funding. And if that happens, I'm done. Um, so I appreciate it a lot. Um, especially like the sponsorship, like I said, Tom and TJ Kane, that's been massive for me this year. And especially cause I was working for him on the go fast side for so long. Yeah. Um, and the, the cup start's going to be really, really cool. I'm just excited for that. Just, you know, it's a little different mindset because I've never run that package. So I feel like it's not going to be that crazy back when the cup cars had way more horsepower. Yeah, yeah. A little bit harder to drive, but it's still cup race. And you're racing against the toughest guys in the in the world. And there's no practice. People would ask, like, what can you do? Like, Kansas isn't a hard track to drive, but racing against cup guys, I can't practice that. I can't call yeah. 39 cup guys and be like, hey, let's get on iRacing and practice right now no yeah. i just you have to go do it and yeah. hope that you can get back in action so let's talk about that cup series start it's coming here in a couple weeks at kansas speedway and i love the story about how it came about because cody Ware wrecked you at mid ohio not on purpose by accident so what does he do he says you know what i feel bad let's give you a cup ride calls up his dad rick Ware, and one thing leads to another and now you're going to be piloting a rick Ware racing chevrolet at kansas speedway in the cup series because you got wrecked. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. Like if you could give me back where I was running at mid Ohio, I think I'd take that. Cause that would have been like my career best finish. Top um, 10 it was. Yeah. It was like right at that 10th, 11th. I can't count when I'm racing. Um, <laughs> and he just, I think he just misjudged the corner or something happened. I, I know like Cody's one of my best friends. He's like a little brother. And I mean, we're seriously going to like hop on call duty here in like an hour and play some video games together. <laughs> um, and it's like a nightly thing with us. Um, so his family has always been great to me. And, uh, when that happened, like my first instinct was like, I'm going to kill Cody, like at the track, I don't care. Um, but I walked in there, like, I like ripped the door open to the, his hauler. And I was, he was like, you could tell he was kind of like, Oh, Ryan's going to kill me right here. And I was like FaceTiming my wife. I'm like, Oh, look, Cody's here. He's probably going to cry. Cause he wrecked me. Well, I like just giving him crap. Yeah. Um, but I definitely didn't expect them to do this. Obviously they, it's racing. If he hit me when I was walking down the street, yeah, that'd be a different situation. Um, but whether he wrecked me on purpose or accident, like he didn't have to do that. Rick doesn't have to do that. Lisa doesn't yeah. have to do that, but they really are a good family. They get way too much crap for, from like, you know, people outside the industry for um, just their involvement, the sport. Like I hate to see that and I wish people got to know him, but it's going to be awesome. It's a really unique story. I don't think anybody's ever gotten wrecked and ended up in a cup ride, but um, I asked him if, I, if he wrecks me here, I told him he has to give me an 8500 ride. So 
we're just gonna like it's like a rick wear racing ladder yeah where i'm just gonna continue to get like maybe wrecked and then when they eventually become a formula one powerhouse you'll get an f1 seat too see it could it's it's got unlimited potential it does it does <laughs> speaking of potential BJ McLeod Motorsports, let's talk about them real quick. They got a lot of potential. You obviously got one more start left this season in the Xfinity car. Had a career best result on a non-super speedway earlier this year at Darlington when you were paying homage to your grandfather. Really cool. 16th place run there. Um, Being able to run for him, BJ that being, in cars that are not necessarily winning race cars, but compared to what you've been in in the past, especially in recent years, that is a big uptick in equipment. And thanks to all your sponsors, like you mentioned, Keen Parts, CorvetteParts.net. You guys are able to do a lot with a little. And to see what you were able to do with Darlington, which is a driver's racetrack, and what I'm sure you guys are going to be able to do at Martinsville as well, it's got to make you feel good as a race car driver to know, like, okay, even though I'm not doing this every week, I still got what it takes. Like, if everything goes my way and we're in a good situation, I can run with these guys. Yeah, it's... First off, the one thing, it always makes me so sad. Like people are like, oh, career best finish. I'm like, dang, that doesn't sound good at all. Take um, the small victories, man. I know. It's like the road courses I told, I think I told everybody after like I got crashed and everything happened this year. I'm like, I'm done with the road courses because every time I'm running like 12th and I got crashed. Um, so it like sounds bad because I feel like I've had so many 15th, 10th, 8th, like Daytona four years ago, we were running like fourth and got crashed. I mean, yeah. that's Daytona, so I expect that. Um, but like what the Keens have been able to do this year, um, with giving me obviously an opportunity at BJ, like you said, it's a small team, but they're giving me, BJ has done a great job with the amount of money that we've been able to bring too. Cause he's given me a lot of tires, like sets of tires, um, at Darlington, the last go around, we had a Stuart Haas pit crew. I've never had a Stuart Haas pit crew or anything like of that caliber. Felt good, um, didn't it? We had a freaking electrical problem, of course. Yeah. Um, we had them in the first race, we could have finished like 12th or better, but it's so cool just to get that opportunity. And I have so much respect for BJ and, um, as a driver, I think he's one of those guys that if he got an opportunity with a big team, he would go out and win. And I think you could say that for obviously a lot of those underfunded yeah. guys. Everybody uh, says it about BJ though. And they say it for a reason. Yeah. And he's not scary. He looks scary. He looks guys scary, he's but he's a teddy bear. Teams. Yeah. He's got more skulls on his outfit and taller than anybody I know. Yeah. Um, but they're just like the Keens are great people. They, I can't believe they even committed me for this year because um, they didn't have to do anything. But for them to go in and commit to me, like they owe nothing to, um, and do that deal with me and um, and with BJ, obviously, it's it's so cool. I wish we had better results, but like the last four races have just been crap as far as results um, mm-hmm. with luck and stuff. But I've never driven at Martinsville, so. We'll see how it goes. I hadn't driven at Darlington the first time I went there. And went pretty we well. 15th, 16th. Yeah, so I've heard it drives like a road course, so I'm hoping it does because I think we'll have some success. Well, let's talk about Martinsville because I know you got a very exciting partnership and initiative that's going on. Peek behind the curtain here, Ryan. I do all my outlining, and the, the main things I want to touch on for each bullet point, I highlight them in yellow. This one yep. is highlighted in pink, so I'll let you take there it from there. Go. Yeah, um... So I know we were texting about this. I'm like, when is this getting released? Cause I'm going to announce yeah, yeah. it. Um, so it'll be cool for you. Cause I didn't want to give it away. Cause then I knew you were going to do research. Um, what we're doing. And I hope this hasn't changed by the time this came out. Um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta call the guy after this, but uh, we're planning on running a uh, foundational car that will be 50, 50 um, as far as 
a charity goes um, with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, courtesy of the Keen Parts, obviously. They're the primary sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other half goes to the Laughlin Family Foundation, Craig, Craig Laughlin. Laughlin. Yep. Uh, My girlfriend's freaking out in the other room right now. That's her man crush. Yeah. Um, so Craig uh, and I have been talking, and um, he's got a great foundation. Basically, it highlights all of the the lesser known forms of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought it would be a good, um, I guess a good outlet to highlight breast cancer, obviously, yeah. but I'm going to scroll these numbers up because I haven't done all the research yet, but I know that like mortality rate, um, for the cancers that he has, I can't even say the word. I know like basically if he took gynecologist and made it gynecologic, then that would be it's the hard. type of cancer. I, I'm not that smart. Man. Yeah. Uh, but they raise like somewhere around eight percent around of the money that the breast cancer foundations are able to do. Um, so that's a very minuscule amount, and obviously that goes to research, that goes to any kind of treatments that people need. Um, so the powerhouse of having Craig on our side and NBC Sports Washington, um, he talks. He's going to talk about it in the broadcast. He's going to push it through his channels. Um, it's going to be really exciting. Obviously, I'm a huge Caps fan, mm-hmm. so it's cool for me to be involved on in that side. Um, but I hope that we can do it in a way that highlights both foundations and um, we're able to raise money for um, both foundations without taking away from one or the other. Mm-hmm. We're planning on selling names on the deck lid, T-shirts, um, hopefully some die casts and stuff. So trying to do it big, uh, make sure Keen Parts get some good PR out of it, um, gets a lot of media. Craig will have fun. He's coming to Martinsville, so if you're coming – uh, you'll get to meet You're Craig. lying. And uh, Russian Machine, Ian Olin, I do owe him a yeah. shout out because he's coming there. He put this whole deal together with me and Craig. I do. I owed it to Craig because I was supposed to go to his golf tournament and meet like uh, Hathaway, Bondra, Polzig, I think was supposed to be there. But I couldn't because of newborn. Um, ah. So I didn't want to leave my wife with that. Yeah. But I uh, figured this is a good way to make it up for him. And uh, hopefully we can get a lot of press out of it for the Keens. Yeah, it's awesome what you guys are doing with that. And uh, when I bring my girlfriend in here in a little bit for some Caps trivia, I will tell her what's going on. That's awesome. Uh, I know. Yeah, I didn't want to tell you that because I knew you were going to do some research. No, that's awesome, though. I love it. I mean, it, and again, like as cliche as it is, great causes. And mm-hmm. it'll bring more awareness. It'll raise some money. So it's great what you guys are doing with that. And I'm sure the car is going to look awesome. I want to pre-order a diecast already. Yeah, it's pink and purple. It's not the manliest looking car I've had, but that's it's all fine. Good. Neither is yeah, a drink. That's awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you all go. For cars. Just like my shirt. I match. Exactly. Um, yeah, true. It's a good segue to talk about some hockey because we haven't talked about that yet, but I want to. Usually with racing, right? If, if it's in your family, it's all or nothing. It's you're always going to be a race car driver or you have no interest whatsoever. But for you, you were kind of teetering on the edge. It reminds me of Michael Annette of, well, I play hockey and I'm actually pretty good at hockey. I love hockey, but I also love racing. Um, when, when was the decision that you came to when you said, okay, even though I love hockey, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this on a professional level. I'm not good enough. I want to pursue racing instead. What was that like? I think it was one genetics and two, I'm not tough enough. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm one of the tougher race car drivers. And I, I don't mean that in a way that I could go and beat them all up, but I could take a bunch of punches. And I know that cause I've done it. Yeah. Uh, but like I played for people that don't know, I played basically my whole life. Like the same amount of time that I've raced. I played. You still hockey. play in like beer leagues, right? Yeah. I played yeah. like 1130 games on Monday nights. Um, I have so two this Sunday. Open. One of them is going to be a brawl. Um, like we have legitimately, like, I don't know if you've seen the Danbury trashers 
documentary yet but no. we have like people that should probably like be in jail coming to our game and they're playing on our team because it's just going to be i don't know it's going to be a mess I love but it, um yeah i played college for uh, george mason university uh played professional inline hockey roller hockey um which is like full contact broke my collarbone like every got every concussion under the freaking sun from hockey and then i finished it off in racing um <laughs> and like i said it was just I was a good skater. I was a good defenseman. I was a really good hitter, but I was at perfect head level for everybody's shoulder and elbow where I was just like constantly <laughs> Unfortunate. hurt. Yeah. And I, uh, like in college, I think I blew my hip flexors out like three or four times and I just kept falling apart. And I'm like, I just probably shouldn't do this anymore. I'll stick to crashing cars. Um, That's safe. So, yeah. I wish I had better hands because if I had better hands, I'd probably be a better hockey player, but mm. I was always just the guy that would just try not to screw up in college. I just tried to kill everybody on the ice and I have short enough legs that people had a hard time knocking me over, but I just didn't yeah. have a time on the ice. Again, with the eclectic background stuff here, right? So you're an NASCAR driver, you're a hockey player. You're also one of the few Asian Americans in NASCAR, right? So how does, how does somebody that's Asian American get involved with NASCAR and hockey? This is like the weirdest trio ever. Um, first off, I think, I think I was the first Japanese driver to race for Toyota in the cup series. You beat Kyle Larson to the punch. Toyota. Yeah. So he never drove a Toyota. Did he no. in the cup? He did in yeah. maybe K and N. Yeah. But I maybe. think I was the first in the cup series. I yeah. tried first off. I tried so hard with the diversity program to make that work. Um, I think I applied four years in a row and I never got made the cut. Damn. That was frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Um, but yeah, it, it's really cool. Um, I joke with um, Akinora Gata. Is that how you say his name? Akinora uh, Gata, like, I believe. Yeah. yeah. He likes the joke. I thought he was going to be offended. But he thinks it's funny. Um, I don't know like any Japanese. I was, my wife was like talking to me about anime the other day, um, yeah. or yesterday, and like educating me on that for having a conversation with Cody Ware. Um, <laughs> but I'm like the least Asian person I know in terms of like, culture yeah um, and uh yeah i uh i don't know any japanese really i don't like japanese food. i like hibachi i don't like like any seafood sushi um, nope wow i suck i know <laughs> i applied for the diversity program as ryan hayashi ellis um i'm like my oh. third correct still didn't work girl. nope didn't work there oh, i got screwed with like a the perfect american middle or perfect american name ryan yeah. ellis I needed to Japanese it. You know what it was? They probably just thought that you were the hockey player. I know. I know. I was hoping he wouldn't make it big. I wanted to be like the most famous Ryan Ellis at least, but no. You are Um, to me. I tried tried to Hattori racing. I tried to work that angle. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom sent him a bunch of like Japanese gifts and I tried so hard to be Asian. I just, nobody would accept it. That might be the best line of the show. Wow. I tried so hard to be. <laughs> those little uh, chocolate koala bears, whatever the panda bears, whatever they are. I like those. So I, I have a little bit of Japanese in me. Okay. I learned what ever... Sussy Baka was yesterday, though. That's all anime culture. Have you ever been to Japan? No. I've been to Europe, been to Australia, been to Africa, uh, obviously Canada, US, Mexico. Yeah. Never been to Asia. Me neither. But yeah, yeah, my grandpa on the Japanese side fought on the U.S. side of that world war. Um, and then he was put in internment camp. So we do have like a really cool history in that. Um, 
but like my Asian grandma and I like she's can't speak much English and I can't speak much Japanese. So there's not a lot of intelligible conversation that goes on there. You didn't decide to like take a Japanese course when you went to Mason? Spanish. <laughs> the easiest. <laughs> I was in German club in high school because I wanted to be in all of the uh the photos in the yearbook. So like jazz band, uh, this, that. Like I signed up for all of them, but I didn't they didn't have like a Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, just when did, Asian. When, when did you decide to go to college, like during all this, in terms of like pursuing racing? D- did most of it come after you got your degree or was that before? Because for a lot of people, it's either college or racing, but you did both. Uh, I did four and a half years at Mason. And then I think I went into the fifth year and Absolutely. I, kept, I kept failing the same class because was you couldn't... Uh, believe it was operations management. I think the guy's last name is Mortadi. I'm calling him out right now because yeah. I failed his class three years in a row because you can't miss one class. And I kept going. I was able to miss class for hockey, but you I wasn't one able. class. Not one. Um, and I was like, I'm going to race NASCAR this weekend. He was like, that's not a good excuse. And then I go the next week. I'm like, I have a hockey tournament for Mason. He's like, okay, excuse. I'm like, dude i don't this is like a legitimate like i will literally if i like have a good run or something i'll i'll be like thank you professor mortati or i think pretty sure that was his name um <laughs> for allowing me to be here and he just kept failing me and i was like all right well i srq at the time yeah they offered me an opportunity to like go and um start and park and work with them so i just moved to north carolina i'm like well i'm never gonna i'm either gonna have to give up racing and just do college yeah or transfer and move to north carolina um, and I picked up college again, two, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm finishing up at app state now. Very cool. Still going to school with my current 40 hour a week job and my second contracted job too. And, and with a newborn. Yep. And hockey, man, you're a busy bee. You're a busy bee. Well, you, yeah, of course. Um, so you got a marketing degree from George Mason and then also advertising, working on that at app state. What was the reason for pursuing those two specific paths? Marketing was just something I was always interested in. Um, and I thought it could assist me with like racing. Cause I am the least mechanically inclined person, probably the least mechanically inclined driver too, which is saying something. Cause I know <laughs> a lot of them suck at stuff. Yeah. Um, my wife builds all the Ikea furniture. Um, good for her. I, I, yeah. So I'm like not good with anything. I don't have the patience for it. Uh, so I was like, well, if I can't go like the Jordan Anderson route, which it wasn't bad at that point because he had on the kid broken in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I got to find the money to race. Um, so I, I went that route trying to find money. And I think it was pretty beneficial because I was able to kind of scrap on that side of things, which isn't as highly respected, I think, as, you know, people that like work on their own cars and stuff. But it's just a different type of grind. Um and then when I tra- transferred to App State, they just didn't have marketing. So I was like, what's the closest to marketing? Advertising. So advertising online did it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and obviously it's paid off for you, right? In the sense of real world jobs, like race car driver, that's not a real job, but you've gotten <laughs> countless real world jobs from this. Click marketing, you did work with GoFast, CBDMD. Uh, yep. You have a new job now, right? Yep. I work for a lead coverage uh, or a lead generation marketing company. I didn't know what that was when I started there. Um, <laughs> and they're not going to be offended by me saying this because they always say it themselves. <laughs> but I work in an industry that is not exactly the most exciting industry. It's a great job. It really is. I'm not just saying that because it. Um, obviously I work there. I don't want to get fired if they listen to it, but like it really is a really cool job. Um, company's based in Atlanta, but we work in port 
drayage, like trucking, and we find them like leads for their businesses. Um, so it, it, in its like essence, like I was writing a bunch of content today, it's not yeah. the most exciting thing to write about warehouse fulfillment and um, distribution centers all day. But because of like who I work with, it's really fun. And I got to bring some of them out as well as the CBDMD people out to mm -hmm. Darlington. So it's cool for them to kind of see that. I know that you were talking on the the pod about CBDMD, Matt Tift, who Virginia, obviously, yeah. uh, he's been pretty like outspoken about it. Why, why are we not seeing CBD companies being able to sponsor race cars? Like what needs to change for NASCAR to allow these sponsorships to come in? Because it's crazy to think about that, like right there, right. It's crazy to think that like there's a sponsor that wants to be involved and they can't yeah. be like, that shouldn't be the case. It's, I got to think of how to say this. Like, it's not because I think it's like a bad issue or anything, but obviously it's a very hard issue to navigate, um, especially like with today's um, climate. But to me, especially in NASCAR um, and the demographic of fans that NASCAR has, I think CBD is extremely beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of NASCAR drivers that have, a lot of concussion issues, TBIs. Um, I struggle with anxiety. Um, honestly, like I'm not just saying this and I, I don't get anything out of this. I don't get any kind of commission or anything, but I was like really anxious at work the last couple of days and I couldn't figure out why it's because I forgot to take my CBD drops. Um, and luckily CBDMD is one of like the companies that can say they have 0% THC and they sponsor a lot of like MMA athletes, PGA, and they were trying to step into NASCAR and that's, yeah. um, they, we had a deal that was pretty far along for them to be on a race car this year. And they're one of the biggest ones in the country. Um, so it's rare to have companies that are trying to spend money in the sport, interact with obviously drivers teams um, and something that I think could really benefit fans that are fighting with, you know, certain conditions like Parkinson's or um, any kind of stress, anxiety, lack of sleep themselves. And they're not able to interact with it, especially within the sport. Obviously, we have very strict drug testing policy. So I stay away from a lot of this stuff, especially when it gets closer to race weeks. Um, but I, I definitely feel the effects when I'm not able to take that kind of stuff. And I hope that we can transition into allowing, especially companies like CBDMD into the yeah. sport. Because I think of all the sports, you know, obviously outside of like NFL and NHL, our sport has a lot of um, – brain injuries just because you're traveling 180 200 miles an hour and even though you're buckled in and you hit the wall and you have all these things that absorb the impact your brain is still going 180 miles an hour in your skull when it hits that wall and it's traveling and there's no seatbelt holding that thing in um so as someone that's fought a lot of concussions it's something i'm passionate about and i know a lot of drivers are but they struggle with just being vocal about it because they know the risk behind it um yeah. But I think NASCAR is doing the right thing. And I got an email from them a couple of weeks ago and they're just trying to figure out like their vetting process. And I understand that they need to be yeah. very strict on it. And they can't have sketchy companies because there are a lot of them. It's the wild west in terms of an industry, but there are a lot of very reputable companies that yeah. want to be involved. All right. A couple quick hitters before we get to our caps trivia, because I want to be conscious of your time. So we'll go through Here's these quick. Uh, you recently competed in your third chili bowl nationals this past winter. What has drawn you to dirt racing and the chili bowl specifically? Cause I know that, like you mentioned, your grandfather had some roots down there. I think the first one was my grandpa was my step grandfather. He used to always send me t-shirts 
from every chili bowl while he was alive. And I was like, this is really cool. And it was just like a collector's item. A lot of my heroes loved it. Tony Stewart. Um, so I was like, I just want to do it just to say I did it. And then I got in and I'm like, this is terrifying. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't even know how to start the thing. Funny story. I don't think I ever, maybe I said it in the podcast, but I couldn't get the thing out of gear or I forgot the shutdown process coming up the ramp. I mm-hmm. think it was two years, no, last year, two years ago. Um, I ran over like four cars on the ramp with like Oof. people like holding their cars and like pushing it up. <laughs> well, I'm that guy. Um, but I fell in love with it. I grew up dirt racing, um, a quarter midgets and stuff. And in dirt racing, while you have a little bit of equipment mattering, that's never what's holding me back. It's just a lack of experience. And I could truly have the, the equipment and the goals to go out there and bring a trophy home. I just don't have the experience. So I'm addicted to it because I control my own destiny, I think more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that, you know, I'm not trying to poo poo and ask our stuff anymore. It's just, you don't, your opportunities are a little more limited as far as what you can achieve. But on the dirt side, I could go out and probably make the B or C main at the chili bowl. Yeah. I just don't have the ability to right now. Um, <laughs> but I also don't want to kill myself on the way to trying to do it. So now that I have a baby, I got to prioritize my stuff a little bit better. Yeah. Let's talk about some cool sponsors that you've had. Russian machine. We mentioned them. Um, Obviously, big Caps fan from the area, Russian Machine, yeah. preeminent. Na- uh, I was going to say NASCAR blog. Uh, well, I I told my girlfriend's name's Robin. You'll see her in a minute. Uh, I was trying to explain to her like a while ago what front stretch was, and I yeah. was like, "It's Russian Machine for NASCAR, essentially." Oh, she got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah she she didn't like that. Well, she and her mom read Russian Machine like religiously. Really? Yeah. yeah my mom sends me like the Patreon. I'm seeing if Ian texted me because I feel like he did. I, um, I was going to mention Ian too, because I was doing all this research on your website. Ian designed yeah. your website. Yeah. He's like, he's like a big brother to me. Whenever I was like stressed out between jobs and stuff, I'd always call him. Um, yeah. He's coming to Martinsville too. So I, hopefully you guys That's can awesome. meet him. But, I definitely want to meet him. Um, I don't, I don't remember how it all started. I think it was my first cup race. I just was like, Hey, do you guys mind if I like put you on the car? Cause I think it'd be cool. And like, I figured they'd do a little piece on it. Yeah. And then we just become close friends and like his son's awesome. Um, and Ethan, I'll give him a shout out. Stacy's listening, but he's a big racing fan. Yeah, uh, he likes Benny Hamlin because he calls him the mailman. I think, uh, <laughs> but uh, they're just a great family, and uh, it's just been fun because they're just obviously like their whole shtick is just being a fun hockey blog. Yeah, and, and they are. Uh, they do a great job with it. And now we're just close friends. Uh, what's up with the podcast? Like I, I thought it was going to be every week, and you guys have done nothing for like months. What's going on? So. Matt's trying to find a job, so I'll give him an excuse. But what's your excuse? And Connor's. Connor got a job with the government, so he can't do it anymore. Mason, who was like our kind of co-host, former uh, GM at GoFast, moved to Atlanta, so he could call in. Matt doesn't like doing it via um, Zoom. I don't care what we do. I was just like, let's just keep (laughs) doing it. but Matt doesn't like doing it. This is probably the first time it's going to come out. Matt doesn't like doing it after 5 p.m. I can't do it before 5 p.m. because yeah. I don't want to get fired. And he yeah. understands that. He's like, oh, by the time I get to 5 p.m., I'm tired. And I'm like, oh, I am too, but I can do probably it. I like spent three hours in the gym by that point. Yeah. And we, uh, I don't know, we've tried to bring it back. And I just know that like where Matt's at in his life right now, yeah. um, it's probably just best for him to kind of deal with what he's dealing with um, in terms of trying to find a, a job. Cause I know that's like obviously weighing pretty heavy on him. Um, and with the baby stuff, like I just haven't pushed it too much, but 
I really do. I told him like, we should get one out as soon as he announced his ride, but then we just kind of keep going next week, next week, next week. And yeah. it just, it was like logistical issues. And then now it's just kind of like, we're just kind of on pause, but it was yeah. fun. Like I really enjoyed it's a great it. Great show. I love it. I would just drink and talk to like some of my heroes. Which I that's what you're cool. doing right now, except I'm not a hero. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'd had too much to drink because we had so many like rum sponsors. And yeah, stuff. you did. I, like, I don't know if I'm slurring my words or not. <laughs> Speaking of Matt, you want to tell us what he's doing for next year? Because I know you obviously know. <laughs> I text. I, let me see if I can find it. I got to make sure I don't. I'll, I'll, I'll break his news right here. Please do. Please do. Uh, what did I say? I, I literally was like, anything going for next year? Not yet. It's so weird. Like Breaking oh, okay. news. <laughs> so, yeah, people don't know. Like, so this might be kind of breaking too, but I like kind of manage his social media. Like, you can kind of tell when it's me, when it's him, but he tells me what to say. He just, he's mentioned that he's not very big on social media, mm-hmm. but he'll send me what to say sometimes. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but <laughs> I find out like half of my Matt news just by Twitter. Like, I saw the serious XM sure thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. I didn't know that. The Wood Brothers thing, I legitimately found out through Twitter. And I was like, are you kidding me? I thought I was like one of your best friends. Yeah. I found out on Twitter that you're driving for Wood Brothers. I thought it was a joke. Yeah. yeah. And here he is now. <laughs> now he's jobless like me. So that's, that's right. racing that's right. job. That's why you guys are best friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know he'll hopefully find a ride soon. So we're all pulling yeah. for him. All right. Here's a... Anybody else. That's for yes. sure. Yes. One last serious question, and then we're going to get to our trivia real quick, some rapid-fire trivia. Um, it is a serious question, though. So, like, five years from now, right? Ten years from now, do you still see yourself pursuing the racing dream full-time, trying to get a cup ride, um, working a full-time job nine to five? Or do you think that at some point you're going to reach a point where you're saying, like, all right, I'm either going to jump in the deep end and try this really hard once and for all, or... I'm done. I got a kid now. I got a family. Let's give it up. Yes. <laughs> um, Good answer. It kind of like lies in the middle. And I, maybe it's just a lack of foresight for me, but I, there've been a lot of times where I'm like, I think I can race full time next season. And I don't want to give up my jobs. Cause I think my job is my sanity. Like, I don't know what I would do with all my free time. I don't know what all these drivers do other than just I race all day, but I still, my goal is to race full time. Am I like emailing people at four in the morning? Like I used to, no, I can't cause I'm feeding my freaking baby now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I'm ever going to stop racing. I think people eventually be like, I don't want to sponsor this 85 year old Asian guy that doesn't know he's Asian. Um, <laughs> so like they're going to give up on me, but like my life dream has been to race in the Daytona 500 to like to run the Indy 500. I'm mm-hmm. stupid enough to think, that I can still do that. Like, I think I can go run the 8,500 next year. I mean, I know that I could, cause I know how the sport works. I know if I found $2 million, I can go run the 8,500 next year. Um, I don't think I'll die with a fulfilled life if I don't continue to try to pursue my dream. And I'm just yeah. arrogant and stupid enough to just keep trying. But to answer your question on the other side, like I don't see myself ever stop working. My like new hero is like an older adult is Justin Marks. Cause I think what he's been able Killing to do it. with his life, he's makes good money, very sustainable business life. He is able to invest money in what he likes to do. And he, he goes out, he won a freaking Xfinity race. Like that's so cool. Like <laughs> I, climb I, I Mount Everest too. I don't know. I'm not doing that. I'll, I'll draw the line and climb Mount Everest. <laughs> he's friends maybe. with Pitbull too. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a lot cooler life, but maybe like, <laughs> 
uh, budget Justin Marks. Yeah, Walmart <laughs> Justin Marks. Yeah, yeah, Kmart, not not Walmart. I'm not good. Facts, um, facts. Like I'd like to get to the point. It would be cool to go and say I made enough money to obviously have my kid live a sustainable life and go and buy a 500 ride with my own company or and have save up enough money. And I don't have any shame if I made that much money in my life, which I don't know if I will or don't really mm-hmm. on a big goal. I just want to continue to live a happy life, race as much as I can and make sure my kid can eat. That's fair enough. All right. You ready for some trivia? Let's do it. All right. Robin, please enter. Here she I feel goes. like this made a outfit. Is this all caps she's oriented? Not, she's not wearing cap stuff. Here's Robin. Here, take this. Oh, uh, take this AirPod no. left hand. I got bobblehead Ryan Ellis over here with my like cap shrine. Can you hear him? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Robin, meet Ryan. Ryan, meet Robin. Nice to meet you. Okay. Uh, so you missed it. You probably heard me talking about Craig. I heard Craig. Yes. Yes. So he my has. My ears perked up. <laughs> she loves Craig. So he has a sponsorship deal going on for Martinsville, which I will be at. Craig's yep. going to the race, and the Lachlan was yep. it Lach- Lachlan Family Foundation. Yeah, I hope they're, gonna, screw that. Yeah. they're sponsoring a side of the car. No way. Yes. She no. doesn't like die casts. She doesn't like that I have them, but I think you'll let me get that one. Yeah. Craig Laughlin right It'll there. Ryan, any updates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to meet Craig. Okay. So we're going to do some caps trivia. Um, Robin specified that it would be current caps knowledge. I tried my best to find some non-obvious answers. So we'll do our best. Are you ready, Ryan? This is going to embarrass me. I'm not going to know it. Let's do it. It might embarrass me too. That's good. I guess (laughs) we'll find out. Okay. Some easy ones to start out. The all time leader in games played for the Washington Capitals. Ryan, your answer. I mean, Ovi. Yes. Gotta be Ovi. Gotta be Ovi. Correct. It is Alex Ovechkin. I would have felt stupid. Yeah. The all time leader in penalty minutes for the Washington Capitals. Ryan, your answer. I'm going to go Dale Hunter. Robin? I know I'm wrong. Tom Wilson. It is Tom Wilson. <sighs> Alan May is also Alan May is also in the top three. My coworker really? at NBC Sports Washington. Where's Hunter? Is he uh, in there? I don't have it in front of me, but he's. I think he's uh, top okay. three too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Some tougher ones now. Out of the current players on the Caps roster, so this does not count anybody that is no longer on the roster or retired. The leader in shooting percentage. I'll go Robin first. What is your guess? Like scoring percentage on shots. I don't know. It all, all it said was shooting percentage. You played hockey, Ryan, so you can tell me goals, if I'm wrong. Goals compared to shots, yeah. Sure. I feel like you have to go Ovi. I'm not going to. I don't think it's – something tells me it's not Ovi. Is your guess Ovi, Ryan? No, because that's too easy. I'm going to okay. say Kuznet. All right. Oh, my God. It's going to be like – Backstrom. So your guess is Kuzi? It's Kuzi, but I feel like the answer is um, Daniel Sprong. But I'm going to say Kuzi. Sprong's been on the team for like a year, though. I thought you said shooting percentage. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did. Well, okay. the answer is TJ Oshie, so you both are wrong. Okay, next. That's right, that's right. Besides Alex Ovechkin on the current roster, again, who is the leader in hat tricks? I'll go to Robin first. Probably Backstrom. Yeah, I'm going Backstrom. Yep. It is also TJ Oshie. Yeah. My birthday buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were at we were at Hibachi when you're being a good Asian, as you said. Uh, yeah. and for her birthday, TJ Oshie is sitting right there in McLean, Virginia. So she went okay. up and said hi to him. It was so cool. I also passed Orlov yesterday and had a mini freak out. <laughs> yeah. Oshie 
Oh, she's supposed to play video games with me, but I, I've never, I've been too afraid to ask him. Why not? I asked, I did slide in his DMs and ask him to sponsor our car this year too. But like, <laughs> we, talk, we talk a lot. Oh, wow. So he didn't even leave you on red. Well, he did last time because I asked him for money. Oh. But yeah. All right. That happens. All right. Rolling along here. Can you guys name the amount of goals that Ovi scored in his rookie season? Oh, no. You can do like a you can do like a ballpark within two or three goals. I'll go to Ryan first. Forty five. Forty five. Okay, Robin. Fifty five. Robin wins. Fifty two. God, oh, so close. Can you guys name the amount of assists he had in his rookie year for a bonus? No, no way. No. Robin. Thirty. Fifty four. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a okay. lot. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of times he hit the goalie and then somebody's pocketed it. Yes. Yes. Um, I wasn't okay. even talking that. Because, because I know where my bread is buttered, Ryan, these questions lean towards Robin. So excuse me. You Can go. you Good name TJ Oshie's children? Lena. Lenny. Oh, Lenny. <laughs> Layla. Lila. Okay. Oh, there's oh. a boy whose name. Oh. He was very cute at Hibachi. I remember. It's gonna, it's gonna drive me crazy. Okay, how about this, Ryan? Can you name Alex Ovechkin's kids? Sergey. Yes. He's two now. Oh, I only know Sergey. Is his wife Nastia? Nastia, yeah. I can't say that. Yeah, not too. Uh, <laughs> very Russian. Yeah. She's taught me a lot, though. Both of his sons are Ovi Junior. In case you're wondering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> Yeah. You're not going to have your daughter be a race car driver, but Ovi will definitely have his kids be hockey players for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my daughter could play hockey. She ain't racing though. We okay. can't afford it. Uh, who is the most random cap you could possibly think of? Whoever, whoever says the more random one to me. Oh, you better take that call. Whoever says the more random one will win in my mind. I want you to go first. Cause I feel like I can win this one. Okay, go I, I look up some weird ones. Michael Scarbosa. Mine is oh, Dinah okay. Zubris for the record. Well, that's not random. He was like on the 98 playoff run. Yeah. Uh, Nolan Yonkman. What'd you say? Nolan Yonkman. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. We're talking <laughs> Are we talking Joey Crab? We could talk whatever. DJ King. Oh, yeah. She loves DJ oh, yeah, King. He was, he was random, too. Yeah, he was yeah. a fighter. He was good. I like Matt Hendricks. He was also an enforcer. He's a racing fan, too. Really? I talked to him a little bit, yeah. Cool. Brendan Dillon was really awesome because he used to like he, we talked to them a lot. I, I try to talk to all of them as much as I can. I yeah. use the verified check mark for my own good. You got to, yeah. Well, this yeah. has been fun, Ryan. I appreciate you playing along with Rob with this game. Uh, thanks for all the time. It's been awesome, man. And uh, oh yeah, get your caps helmet. <laughs> oh no, I'm sure not to stand up. You see that though? Isn't that pretty Look cool? At that. That's his racing. I think that's Oshi right there. Oh, that's Holpi. Yeah, all the caps. Is that an on actual there? signature, or is it like painted on there? No, so they uh, what we did um, off axis painted it, and then like I the caps obviously won, or the caps won the cup. They painted it, and then yeah. I was like, please sign this helmet. So we sanded it down, sent it off to them, and then they all signed it. That's awesome. So I will kill whoever steals this. Yeah, you better keep that thing on lock. <laughs> yes, this is like literally, I will die with this in my grave. Yeah, it's the entire Stanley Cup winning team. You got to bury you with that thing. On. Yeah. yeah. You, do you ever wear it in the car? No, I wore it um, before it was signed, and now like I don't want anybody to even touch yeah. it. I don't blame you. I don't blame. Such you. a waste because it's so cool looking. 
Yeah. All right. Well, go play some video games with Cody. Uh, go text TJ and play some video games with him too. And I'll see you at Martinsville. And good luck yeah. at Kansas, by the way. See you there too. Yeah, nice yeah. meeting you, by the way. And uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate that. Yeah, man. You're the man. I appreciate you giving me so much time. It's been fun. Of course, man. Anytime. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan. I know it was a bit of a lengthy one, but as you know, I like to get into all the nitty gritty details with my guests. So it was great to chat with Ryan. And I'll, as always, I thank the PR rep for helping make this happen. There was no PR rep <laughs> for this one. I actually, I like to go through chains of command, right? So peek behind the curtain. Uh, went on Ryan's website and I sent his website a contact submission and I said, hey, Ryan, would love to have you on the podcast. He texts me like five minutes after I do that. He's like, yo, why, why are you on my website? Just text me like we're friends. <laughs> I was like, well, I just wanted to respect the chain of command. So Ryan, thank you so much for hopping on with me, giving me so much of your time after a busy, busy workday, of course. And good luck this weekend at Martinsville. And I forgot to even mention, Ryan was in the cup race this past weekend at Kansas Speedway. We talked about that in our interview, too, for Rick Ware Racing. Cody Ware made him a promise, and he kept that promise. So good to see you there, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend, my friend. This weekend, we will be at Martinsville Speedway triple header weekend and boy oh boy is it gonna be fun i can't wait truck series has been off for what it seems like two months they're back in action on saturday afternoon the xfinity series as well on saturday afternoon and the cup series the xfinity 500 the penultimate race of the 2021 season they go green just past 2 p.m in the east on nbc sunday afternoon Track president Clay Campbell, we had him on the Front Stretch podcast this week, and he chatted about a bunch of different things, kind of what goes into a track preparation standpoint of preparing for a big marquee race weekend. There's been a lot of talk this week about Formula One in Austin versus NASCAR in Kansas and the attendance and the buzz and the interest, etc. I asked Clay about what we can do to make NASCAR races more of an event feel. He gave some thoughts on that since Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch gave their thoughts publicly about that. Let's look at the cutoff line because it is closer than ever. All right. You got Kyle Larson who's locked in. Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott are over 30 points to the good in second and third place above the cutoff line. I believe they mathematically can clinch in the first two stages. Uh, so we'll be eyeing Bob Pockers' Twitter account for some math and some official confirmation for NASCAR throughout the first couple stages. Then you get into the close stuff. Kyle Busch plus one above the cut line, even though he was screaming his head off this past weekend at Kansas. Young Ryan Blaney, YRB, is one point below the cut line, and that's really tough for him because he's been running exceptionally well but got into some issues, not of his own doing. Austin Dillon got into him and sent him into the wall at Kansas, so he's one below. Martin Truex Jr., who also had a tire issue at Kansas, he is three points below, but we know how damn good he is at Martinsville, one of his best racetracks on the Cup Series schedule. Brad Keselowski, who's won a time or two at Martinsville, he is six points below the cut line. And Joey Logano, I think mathematically it's possible for him to point his way in, but he is basically in a must-win situation. Uh, he is multiple points below Brad Keselowski, who is six points below. So that is the cut line. You got Kyle, Blaney, Truex, Brad, and Joey all battling probably for that last spot since Denny and Chase, barring any crazy unforeseen circumstances, which has happened before and probably will happen again, uh, they're probably going to be good to go. But 
I'm excited for this weekend, man. I'm not sure if we're going to see a last lap dive bomb like we did last year with Harvick on Kyle Busch. But then again, with the cut line being so close and with these drivers being so close to each other throughout the race on the track, anything can happen. You really never know. And also this whole debate that we've seen this playoffs about the non-playoff guys racing the playoff guys, the amount of respect to have, the amount of room to give them, what have you. That could play a factor as well. Something also tells me Kevin Harvick still ain't over the Merry Offseason and Happy Christmas t-shirts that are flying off the shelves. So he can definitely get in Chase's way or maybe rough him up a little bit, even though NASCAR told him to chill out. I don't think that's ever stopped Happy Harvick before. I don't think we've seen the last of that, and I don't think we know what's going to happen this weekend. I'll just give you my pick. It's Truex. I think Martin's going to win the race and get his way into the championship four in Phoenix. I do think it's going to be Larson, Truex, and then Denny and Chase Elliott who get into the championship four with Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, and the two Penske cars of Kislowski and Logano also joining Blaney uh, below the cut line. So that's my pick. I'm excited to see how it all plays out, and I will be there this weekend on behalf of frontstretch.com. So stay tuned with my social media handles as well as frontstretch for all your coverage from Southern Virginia. Look nuts of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Clint Boyer tested the next-gen car at Bowman Gray Stadium this week. That was so cool to see. Awesome visuals. Shout out to my boy Alejandro Alvarez for some great pictures from the test and Bozy Tatarovich, former guest on the show, for providing some insight on site as well. Tony Stewart also participated in a in a short tire test, which was different than Junior and Clint. They were doing it for broadcast purposes. Tony was doing it for competition purposes. So cool to see three legends of the sport doing their thing in the next gen car. Speaking of Dale Jr., he announced that he's gonna race at Martinsville next year in the Xfinity Series for Junior Motorsports. He's going to be in the 88 car, and fans can vote on a paint scheme that Unilever will don the 88 car in. So check that out for next year. Akinori Ogata, he's making his first start for BJ McLeod Motorsports this weekend at Martinsville. And Preston Pardis, he's making his oval debut in the Xfinity Series as well. Looking forward to see what P-Money can do behind the wheel. Penalties post-Kansas, Paul Wolf, Johnny Klossmeyer, Jason Trincheri, who's AJ Allmendinger's crew chief, and Jeff Mendering, who's crew chief for Brandon Jones. They were all fined $10,000 and $5,000, 10 for Cup, 5 for Xfinity. For loose lug nuts, suspensions levied down to Adam Stevens for two loose lug nuts and a $20,000 fine. And as well, on the 23 car for our motorsports, crew chief, car chief, and crew member all suspended for a ballast violation. You can't mess with that. You mess with that, you get the horns. Some crew chief news on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Channel 90. Phil Surgeon, crew chief for Ross Chastain at Chip Ganassi Racing this year, confirmed that he will be returning with Ross Chastain next year at Trackhouse Racing in the one car for 2022. And Drew Blickensdurfer, who is the crew chief for Michael McDowell at Front Row Motorsports, said that right now it's looking like Front Row will remain a two-car operation for next year. There's been a lot of rumors about possibly selling a second charter to 2311. That deal reportedly fell through. So as of now, it looks like Front Row is going to remain a two-car fleet. That'll wrap things up, party people, for episode 131 of Victory Lane 2.0. Hope you guys enjoyed the chat. Hope you guys have enjoyed the chats the last few weeks 
uh, Ernie Francis, Ryan Ellis, Santino Ferrucci, Sammy Smith. They've all been great, I think at least. Um, and I've been putting out some subsequent content on Twitter uh, to try to get some more interest and drum up some more listeners and numbers for the show. So I appreciate you guys listening. And if you like what you heard here today, please, please do me a favor. Leave a rating and a review. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. If you're able to leave a rating and a review, specifically on Apple, please go ahead and do that. It takes about two minutes, but really, really helps us out. And share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Get my numbers up. I'm trying to get some sponsorship, trying to grow this thing to the moon. I know the offseason is coming up, but fear not because I think we're going to have some awesome content in the offseason. And leading into next week, into the championship four, I don't know who we're going to have on yet because I had a lot of these interviews kind of backfilled before I went on my trip. But I got a feeling it's going to be a good one because it always is when you're in victory lane. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy Martinsville this weekend. Stay safe. Make sure to get that vaccine if you haven't already done so. And I will catch you guys on the flip side.